to the ghost train. Tickets, please. Take your seat and enjoy the ride. All aboard! <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm your host Drew Broda and on this week's episode I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with Michigan's own Hillary and Jessica of Mystic Mitten Paranormal, two amazing women doing big things in the paranormal world. They told me some super creepy stories of a few of the locations they've investigated, one that had to do with a group of ghost children, and you know how much that stuff freaks me out, that seem to be haunting the land where a bunch of the new homes are being developed. Hillary also spoke about being a medium and how she uses her abilities in their investigations. They talk about how the two of them got started and on how being a woman has helped in their investigations. We had a lot of fun with this one and I think you're going to enjoy it. Next stop, Mystic Mitten Paranormal. All aboard! Okay, welcome to the Ghost Train Ladies. You are Mystic Mitten Paranormal Group. Welcome, welcome. And I hear you have a little tale to tell about... Uh, a child ghost and we all know that i'm terrified of that so take it away yes so all right so we know how everyone loves a good child ghost story so last november jessica and i were invited to investigate a private residence in harrison township michigan so for those who don't know harrison township is located in southeastern michigan on the very edge if we were to make a mitten on our hands on the very edge <laughs> near the water so Excellent. we were invited to check out this house after this family had reported two of the family members in particular had had these encounters with these this group of child spirits and it was kind of alarming to them but they weren't like so afraid of it that you know it was it was kind of an investigation to um find answers it was more so to see if anything was still there or if anyone would identify themselves when we came yeah i think it was um it was more so a case where the family was annoyed by oh. the ghost, uh, being woken up late at night, not being able to get sleep. Um, so it was kind of more of the ghosts were just like kind of like a nuisance, but it's not like it was anything negative or horrifying or, you know, creep them out or anything. They were just kind of irritated that they were, you know, losing sleep every night and uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it was a really interesting case. What had prompted us to come then initially, the original incidents had happened about like a decade ago. And there was kind of a period of quiet in between the incidents that happened initially and the more recent incidents where the mother and the daughter, both on separate occasions, were waking up in the middle of the night of the same room. Um, she had spent the night in her daughter's room, was the story one night. And both of them had described feeling like they were being observed or watched by some kind of presence. So it kind of brought all those memories of what had happened initially back. So the story starts where the youngest daughter uh, in the family was screaming and waking up in the night and complaining, mommy, mommy, these children are bothering me and they want me to play and I don't want to play with them. I'm scared. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> I would, like, just be terrified from that. Like, just shit my pants. <laughs> what the hell is this? Like, you would try to keep it cool, but, it, like, how do you keep it cool in yeah. that situation, right? Sorry, continue. And so that was, you know, to, to speak to that, that was something she really struggled with. She described to us, she was like, um, okay. You know, that it, it was freaking her out, too. And you don't really know, you know, kids 
say things and see things and whatever. So you never know what, you know, to take seriously. But so it, it kept happening over and over. And it got to the point where it was a nightly occurrence. And finally, the mom felt like I have to speak up and say something. So she yelled in this room, little children, Grace is a little child herself and she needs her sleep. And you have to go away, she can't play. What they told us was that for about a year in between since that incident, it was quiet. She didn't wake up anymore, nothing really mm -hmm. happened. But she had had an experience where none of the kids had been home and there was some condensation on the window and she was cleaning it, she was cleaning this child's room. And she noticed way up high where she said it was way too high up for any of the kids to have reached, there was a little handprint and then a smiley oh, face. Boy. Right? Yeah. Out. That is nuts. That's nuts. Holy crap. Because I've heard, I've heard, a, I have a, a friend of mine that told me a story that she came out of the shower and it was like on a concrete floor and she saw a child's footprint on the floor. But to have like a handprint so high up and a smiley face drawn, like that's something you just can't explain, right? right? Which makes it so much creepier. <laughs> awesome. There was another incident where, um, the grandma would pick the kids up after school and when she came home um, in that same bedroom all of the little stuffed animals were lined up in a row like almost like a train and um, the grandma was like oh you know that's so cute how you lined up your little stuffies like that and just I shouldn't do that <laughs> and the mom saw that morning that they were all just scattered around the room so um so the toys have kind of moved on their own and uh, it's it's really interesting what like the evidence we're able to capture and the background story. So, no so it's relevant to what we were able to catch in our investigation, um, kind of creepily too. So we set up a night vision camera in the room and just let it record while we went and we went down the street and did a few things and did some other experiments in the house. And when we came back to check, so I have to tell this part. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so a year passes and it's quiet, nothing happens until one night and the daughter is screaming again, you know, mommy, come here, mommy, come here. And she says, so the little children are outside of my door and they say they won't come in, but they still want to know if I can play. So that interaction that the mother had had seemed to create this barrier in wow. the room. Yeah. So, but they would still hang out outside. And bugger still. Mm-hmm. So the mom was able to get them to leave the room. Like, I wonder if the mom has some sort of like abilities then. Like, did you ever think about that? Yeah. So we did ask her, and she had described um, that she, you know she herself feels she is a sensitive person or someone who is able to pick up on or see things that not everyone can. But the interesting thing about her was she described only ever being able to see family members or having these experiences with family members. And it's something that's interesting that, you know, when I have conversations with people these days, there seems to be two types of sensitive people. One type really only sees their family. Um, and, you know, even that can be kind of alarming in itself. And then another type seems to have more experiences with like random people. So she seemed to be one who, who sees family. And so it was a particularly alarming experience because she didn't know like who this was. And was there a history to the house? So oh. it was it was a new construction home. And initially when we knew we were going to be going there, you know, it, you, you can only help think, oh, well, maybe it's not, it can't be the house, obviously. So, you know, what could it be? So we did some yeah, research. We did some research on the land itself. And we were able to find that 
Jacob Hansenbuehler um, moved over um, and actually came through Ellis Island and moved over to America. And he had many kids and he owned that giant plot of land. And he actually sold part of his land to build a schoolhouse that is on the same property that a schoolhouse now stands. Um, but the old schoolhouse that was built back in the day was um, deconstructed um, and taken down and they built the new schoolhouse on top of it. And it really seemed like he enjoyed children a lot because he sold the plot of land for the schoolhouse. So that way his kids had a place to go. And we were even able to find history because it's a very, it's a very historical plot of land that area is. And um, there's like a very strong Native American history there as well. And the Native American history tied into the Hudson Bueller family because we were able to find an article um, that was written about how the kids would skip class to go play with the Native Americans. And we honestly think that it was that land itself that has something tied to it. Uh, and it's not just that house. Um, one of the other neighbors from that family actually sees children as well. And, and from my research and me just connecting to others that live in that same city in that same general area, there seems to be a really strong presence going on just generally in that space. So it's really interesting. And uh, it's just really neat to see that we're able to find all of that historic basis to it that kind of gives some sort of precedence and credentials to why this is happening. Um, so that's not why, you know, it's it's not just tied to them. It's not tied to their house. But these tra- these spirits are traveling from location to location. It's that whole plot of land. And um, mm-hmm. one of the stories that I found that was actually pretty interesting was from a janitor who used to work at the school that now stands where the old schoolhouse stood. And when mm-hmm. they were doing renovations, there was a lot of activity and the janitor would see ghost children. So it's really cool that even that schoolhouse and we're trying so hard to get into that school. But, uh, you know, understandably so it is an active elementary school. So it's it's totally understandable that they're not going to grant us any bit of access. I'm sure they, they don't want that uh, association that their yeah. school is haunted, right? Uh, that makes but, a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. I know. I was going to feel personally responsible for starting a rumor <laughs> that the local elementary school is haunted and freaking out all yeah. the kids. Good work, ladies. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, yeah, we got lots of history going on in the land. And you've kind of tracked down somewhat of a story, like a backstory to what this family has been going through. So when did they end up contacting the two of you? So it was back in November, which it would have been, I think the stretch was about 10 years. So the daughter's a teenager now. So this originally started when she was like six or so. As she aged, it seemed to kind of taper off a bit. Mm -hmm. The experiences at least seemed to change a bit, which, you know, is kind of a natural thing we find with kids who see things and then grow up and it, you know, morphs or adapts. But so she had been feeling like she was being like tapped awake. Yeah. Almost like tickled like her sides, like almost like if, I don't know if your mom was trying to wake you up and you were oversleeping and somebody's like, come on, you have to get up. And yeah. um, the mom actually experienced that, too, mm-hmm. at one point. But she kept being, like, almost woken up, thinking that her mom was in her room with her. But then she wakes up. There's nobody there. That was the major incident yeah, that, that prompted them to reach out to us and say, hey, you want to go see? You want to come over here and see what's going on? Yeah. See if you can figure anything out. So so how did they end up contacting you? Through your, like, Instagram? Or did they find you on, like, 
um, your YouTube or like, how did they end up contacting you? So it was a, it was like a friend of a friend of a friend, <laughs> sort of okay. a relative of a friend of a friend. And yeah. um, we had been posting things on Facebook and she was sharing those things for us too on her personal page and kind of attracted the attention of her family and her cousins were like, Oh, you should have them come over here. And so it was, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of what we do is, is kind of um, more, not so much going to find, scary stories so Mm -hmm. much as like shared experiences with others who are experiencing something they don't understand or that freaks them out and we come to kind of put a different spin on it and help them understand what's happening yeah we really want to try to validate experiences or find like a reasonable cause or explanation for it but it's not like we're out here chasing monsters i don't think either of us personally feel that way yeah i hear you okay so then you ended up going over to the house and doing your investigation what did that kind of entail so we set up and started our night with interviews with all the family members and hillary did an initial walkthrough which was pretty interesting and one of the things that hillary was able to pick up was she was asking about do the pans in the kitchen rattle or there's something involving these cabinets and that was a claim that we didn't know about during the interview, but we found out about afterwards, which was really cool that late at night, it does sound like somebody, time to time, it sounds like somebody's going through the, the cabinets and going through the pots and pans and the mom would wake up and go downstairs and think that one of her kids is, you know, in the middle of the night ma- making macaroni and cheese or something and <laughs> and there's nobody there. So, um, so that was kind of cool that Hillary was actually able to pick that up and basically like, I, I don't know, go, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know how you work. Because I, I don't have these abilities, so I'm a, I'm a challenging tool to decipher. So <laughs> I had just, you know, there's there's different energies that you know we can we pick up on people who I guess do what I do or be. I'll just speak for myself here. There's certain energies that I pick up on, and one of the things that I can kind of tap into is like a it's like a replayed clip of something. And so this energy that I walked by in the kitchen, I got this little mental image in my head of like someone rummaging through their cabinets, like looking for a snack. So it was very interesting that that ultimately was kind of the impression they had as well. But so it's, it's just these little snippets of information that, you know, I don't know where they come from, if it's the spirits there or if it's my guides or who knows what it is, but these little snippets of information that play into the bigger story. And so it was really interesting on that note, a couple weeks or was, I think it was about two weeks before we went to this investigation, I started having these weird experiences while I was sleeping. And so that's not something that's really typical for me. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of have like rules and boundaries that I set with this kind of stuff. And it's it's very rare that anyone, you know, oversteps those boundaries. So I had this man, this encounter with this man. And I remembered what he looked like so vividly. And I had gone on the Internet and found a picture that was kind of close to this man that I had seen. And I had this inclination that, you know, he was kind of reaching out to introduce himself in a certain sense and that it was going to kind of tie into that investigation. And so Jessica's husband, Mike, also had a really interesting dream for the first time. And he's kind of our token skeptic normally. Yes. <laughs> so it was interesting that it happened to him. Yeah. So so he told me that he had this dream that we were doing the investigation. And he's like our behind-the-scenes tech guy. Every so often he'll have a cameo. But for the most part, he's our camera operator. So, um, so he <laughs> dreamt that we were at this investigation and he was – it was after the investigation, he was just panning around with the night vision camera as we're all just standing about. The investigation was done and we're just kind of decompressing from 
um, the rest of the day and everything that we just did. And there's a woman standing with her hands down at her side. And in like to her side is a little girl holding her hand. And at one point, the woman kind of swings her arm up to like just like cross her arm. So she swings her hand up. And when she does that, her hand goes through the child. Her arm crosses. And Mike is absolutely a skeptic. He he knows that stuff exists besides what's going on, but he just doesn't really believe in it, which is kind of a confusing logic. But mm-hmm. um, for him to have an experience like that uh, was definitely really interesting, especially with it tying into the case so much so that yeah. these little children are seen. And that's one of the claims, too, about uh, one of the neighbor houses that has experiences. Um, they see a little girl specifically with a hair bow. Um, they'll see other children too, but like the main prominent character is this little girl who has a bow in her hair, which is really yeah. fascinating. I got chills from that. <laughs> Just the fact that that kind of really validates that it is the land and not the home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that total, like I, that other homes that are close by in proximity that are being affected as well. Yeah. That's crazy. So it was funny because we were able to find pictures of these people. And so here comes kind of like the mind blowing cherry on top, right? So Mike had seen this girl. I had seen this man. I had also seen a girl. And we all kind of had this frame of reference of what these people looked like. And Jessica and Mike were able to find pictures after the fact. And I am not even kidding. There's this little girl in this line of school children that was taken in front of the one room schoolhouse. She's off to the side and she's got this dress and this hair bow. And she looks yeah. just like the little girl we've all been seeing. It's nuts. That is creepy. And was there like an accident that happened? Like so what? here's the interesting thing. And this is why I kind of walked away from this feeling a little eerie about the whole thing. So there was one of the Hudson Bueller children who was a 13-year-old boy who passed away drowning, I'm assuming, in the river or near the property. Now, he's the only child that we could find that there was any kind of indication there was a death on the property. The interesting thing, and this is kind of just a personal theory, too, I have this idea that people who kind of um, are disappointed with their lives, or if we're going to kind of like look at this like an earthbound spirit theory, that you can kind of choose how you project. So this Stella Hatzenbuehler, this little girl, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, is choosing to represent herself or project as the childhood version of herself, because we were able to find a picture of her when she was a bit older, And she died in like her 40s. So, I mean, she made it to adulthood. Mm -hmm. But she's kind of an eerie looking person. And so that's kind of why I'm a little freaked out about it. That, you know, that an adult would choose to represent as a child, which, you know, arguably is maybe just a nostalgia thing. That was the best time of her life or that was a familiar place where she wanted to be or whatever. But there is something more going on there. And I feel like we've only kind of scratched the surface on this one. No kidding. That's really weird that because usually like I would always think what you look like when you die maybe maybe I'm completely wrong but I would just kind of I just always assume that that's the way you would look when you were in your spirit form but if you can choose what you were going to look like yeah that would be really weird to choose being a child I think there's something to be said too that um in the afterlife you might go to a place that you were strongly attached to or a place that you really enjoyed um or a place that had really pleasant memories I don't think when you die you go to where your body is but um, and that's not to say that that can't happen, but I think 
there is some sort of a choice where if your spirit's lingering around, it's probably going to be where you were most happy. Here's another angle, too. We also had now consistent encounters between me and several other people who live there who we connected with on Facebook. There's this man again. So this man who I describe as kind of having a bushy beard and a hat looks exactly like the picture we found of Jacob Hatzenbuehler, so the man who owns the land. And somebody else had said, oh, I've seen a man on the road nearby. And so Jessica sent them a picture and said, you know, hey, does this person look familiar? No other information. And he Mm -hmm. goes, yeah, except when I saw him, he had a hat. Yeah. (laughs) No way. (laughs) That's so weird. So, yeah, this this man is just making himself known to a lot of people. Definitely. And that was that would have been her father. So if, you know, perhaps he's there for whatever reason by choice, because that was his farm. That's his legacy. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe she chooses to be there in that form with him so they can be there together is hmm. one thought. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, that's a, definitely an interesting take on the whole thing. So, so let's get back to you being into the, in like investigation mode. So you, you start doing your interviews and you're doing your walkthrough. I didn't know that you were sensitive to this stuff, Hillary. Oh yes. You know, I, I don't know why I find myself doing this. It's like, I'm like, Oh, let me just hold this information back. And I think it's because, you know, we've taken this angle in investigation where we are trying very hard to present everything with 100% transparency. If anybody's got any questions about how we're doing anything or what we're doing, you know, we're happy to answer them. And so there's, you know, I feel sometimes a little bit nervous about like, hey, guys, speaking up with this. But I mean, it's it is an inaugural part of me and how I investigate. But we don't we don't I don't really investigate like a typical medium would. Because mm-hmm. I like I would see it as a major plus to any kind of team to have someone with those kind of abilities. Right. Certainly. I think, you know, it, it, it I guess it all kind of depends on the person, too. It may, you know, but <laughs> right. what I found is that that ability or these abilities really only help all of the technological or technology-based investigation or experiments that we're doing. I mean, like, I feel like I'm able to kind of draw stuff out or kind of coax things to touch things and interact with our tools in kind of, it really impresses me sometimes. I never expected to have that reaction, like the things we do with the K2 and spirit boxes and whatever. And so I think it, I think it only helps certainly. Mm-hmm. And just a question I've always wanted to ask someone that was sensitive, because, you know, when you watch like the movies or you read a book, they're always saying like, oh, they feel so tired and drained after all this stuff. And like they're, they're completely out of it. Is that what happens to you? Sometimes it does. You know, I noticed that the last time I sat down and did a spirit box session myself where I kind of offered up my energy in in order to like if you need this to make this work go ahead and take it. So if I offer it, yes, I'm very drained, but I think the the whole paranormal investigation in general is exhausting. We're up all night. Mm -hmm. We're like obsessing over tiny, minute details and it's, it's very (laughs) draining, you know, in itself, but it, it, it does make me tired, but I'll tell you when I do like private readings for families who are in pain and I'm able to at least make them laugh for a couple minutes, it's the most invigorating thing that I could ever do. I go to Taco Bell afterwards and I'm like, this is the strangest, most surreal sensation. <laughs> no, really. but, yeah, you yeah. get like a, like a high from it, right? Absolutely. And, you know, every time we find something like strange in any of our recordings or a little like 
flip under the door. In this case, too, it's the same high. And so I am just constantly chasing this high now. <laughs> yeah, chase the dragon, right? That's yep. awesome. Well, that, that just kind of it shows like how passionate you are about it. If you get that excited for it and you want you're really, really searching for it because you want that feeling, right? You want that validation. Absolutely. I, love it. I, love I tell it. people all the time, this is I would be doing this anyway. We're just choosing. Jessica and I have come together, you know, collaboratively to mm-hmm. share what we're doing. And she's, you know, sharing this with me and I would be doing it anyway. Right. And how did you two meet? Well, that's <laughs> you talk for a bit. That's another long story in itself. Um, so I am a photographer and I specialize in creepy or weird photography. So like I don't shoot weddings or senior photos or anything like that. I'm in it more for the art aspect. And Hillary was looking for a photographer to shoot some headshots for her medium portfolio. And she was recommended to me by a mutual friend. And we sat down the first time that we met. And within 30 minutes, we already had this idea. That's it. We're starting a female paranormal group. We're going to go out there, make a name for girls in the field. And let's go buy all of this equipment. And this is a great idea. And here we are. We're almost, uh, it's almost our one year anniversary. We'll be in February. So um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's for me, it feels like such a male dominated profession right now. And I think it's great. I've, I've already reached out to a bunch of other female investigators as well. And I think it's awesome that it's it's not just like a, a macho guy thing that, oh, I'm not as scared of the dark. I'm not scared of ghosts. Like this is something that everyone is interested in mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. So I think it's wicked that you, the two of you got together and you're doing this. Thank you. Thank and you're, you. Doing, yeah. you're doing a great job of it. Right. And so good work. Keep it up. I keep getting sidetracked, which is totally fine. But let's go back to that investigation of that that home. So we had gone outside, done a few experiments. Um, We had also attempted a spirit box session in the living room with the whole family gathered around, which nothing really happened. Everyone was pretty bored too. So it was, it was pretty quiet. (laughs) Like this is awkward. (laughs) So we had gone back upstairs in the room. So this was the daughter's room where we had left the night vision camera and we found two really notable things that actually tied back into the story. So the first was an EVP. It was when I was asking questions. And one of the questions that I asked was if there was somebody still there with us. And you hear a yes whispered. Um, but it sounded like a little girl's voice, um, which was definitely creepy. And just led us even more into this whole understanding and the storyline that was developing right before us. And um, another thing that was really interesting with the night vision cameras after review, you can see um, a light manifest in the hallway a couple of times. And oh. um, and the hallway was wood floor, so it was incredibly reflective, but there was nobody um, in that area at that time. And the house was kind of like, it was kind of like big, but it was one of those houses that like you walk two steps and everybody's gonna hear it type thing, really echoey in that sense. And, um, and that was what was interesting about the EVP too, is that you could hear the voices downstairs and the EVP voice that we got was incredibly different and totally unlike any of the other voices of anybody else that was in the house with us at that time. But um, these lights just kind of appear in the hallway, just on the edge of the door. And at one time you can kind of see this light um, figure peek into the room and then kind of like fade away, um, which is really interesting. And it ties back to the the whole, the, the children stay out in the hallway. And um, the yeah. mother of this house too, like she has like that very like sweet, um, 
like humble, like she has that very good teacher vibe. But she's mm-hmm. scary when she but yells. But she's scary when she yells. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like she, she's like if you were a school kid and and she put her foot down, you would behave. So it's huh. really interesting that when she when she did yell at them and say you need to leave Grace alone, you know she's a little girl and she needs her sleep that they stay out in this hallway and that we were able to capture um, these really bizarre uh, manifestations in this hallway of this odd light pattern that didn't fit anything else um, through the rest of the footage. I mean, there's a part where you hear somebody turn a light switch on and the lights look entirely different than these couple of segments where there's something kind of just dancing around and pinking in the hallway and just popping in to see, you know, like, can I go in there yet? Um, so it was it was really fascinating and incredibly cool um, to be able to catch these pieces of evidence that really validate their experiences and tie yeah. this whole story together. Yeah, for sure. It's active when you're there, which mm-hmm. is kind of one of the things you always you hope for, right? Because yeah. a lot of the times you'll go to these places and it's dead. And like you said, you're sitting downstairs with the, the spirit box and nothing's happening and you're like, okay, what's <laughs> going on? But that's just the way it goes, right? That's I would say you're getting lucky if you're getting footage of it, right? We do get very lucky, and we we constantly, you know, express our gratitude <laughs> even in the moment too. How grateful we are because we are so lucky. Pretty much every like major investigation where we've brought cameras out, something has happened. Even the small ones too, mm-hmm. we get some kind of interaction. And I don't know if that's, you know, because I have a connection, and we're like kind of incorporating that and letting some of that manifest or if it's just we're just really lucky ducks or they mm-hmm. just <laughs> that's possible too that's what well, i get the, get the men out of here we want to talk to the nice ladies that are here right <laughs> it kind of makes sense too it's like men are known to be more threatening i don't want to be like sexist against men too but i'm just like having that like envisioning like children usually are going to be more inclined to approach females would you say Yes, um, I think that that's one thing, too, that's unique about Hillary and I um, is our our sensitivity, not in the sense that like on a spiritual level, but just having a passionate, welcoming, approachable. Tell them where you work (laughs) (laughs) or what you do. So one of the things that I do is I dress up like a princess and I volunteer and visit kids in hospitals. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And then I also work at an entertainment industry, a really large attraction in the state that just focuses on kids. So um, I think having that background and knowing and all of this training and experience firsthand working with children as well, I think definitely makes me more approachable to kids, which is yeah. ironic because I don't really enjoy but kids. True, like, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's definitely like comes in handy. But I also would think that with that, there would also be some negativities with if you ended up getting into male uh, spirit or demonic entity might try and hurt you because of you being females, right? I think, you know, it, it, it comes down to, you know, how we work and who we are, too. And we are a lot tougher than we may present, yes. certainly. And, Honestly, you know, I think you two are pretty badass. So I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not thinking that you're like, I know you dress up as a princess, but I think that uh, you're far from it, right? <laughs> it is funny that, you know, I think that that could be a concern. And I don't know that I really spend a lot of time, at, me, at least me personally, worrying about it so much. No. We have encountered um, a lot of male spirits actually 
it's probably been about even. Um, and, you know, they've always been very friendly, too. I take I have a very different kind of outlook than a lot of people on some of these things. And I think often the um, very negative energies that uh, people encounter and tell stories about sometimes are more misunderstood. I do think that there are negative energies out there, most definitely, and ones who, you know, can inflict harm to a certain degree. Absolutely. But I think, you know, and maybe it's a plus to being a woman, too, where we come in with a certain... Um, hyper empathy and you know wanting to understand if you are angry why are you angry and tell us about it it's like therapy for the ghosts you know? <laughs> and a lot of the times like you said like that they might the spirits might be misunderstood maybe like maybe poking the girl sleeping is them trying to communicate with her and just be like hey like i'm here and i maybe maybe they want help right and right. they're this girl they've had like now a connection to and they're they're like we know that you can see us and talk to us so help us now help us but that's pretty crazy that you were able to get all that great footage of the anomalies and yeah that's pretty wild so were you so you had the evps you had the light in the hallway and kind of almost like peeking into the room so then what else was going on that night so it was you know truthfully it was kind of a quiet night in the moment i, I think i remember us having conversations about like oh wow nothing's really happening here nothing's yeah. really <laughs> which we always think in the moment you're just, nothing's happening and when you go home and review the stuff you find all these little sweet nuggets and you're like man were we wrong <laughs> But it was pretty quiet otherwise. And I think that was really, um, you know, maybe intentional on their part, too, because then that drew us outside because we weren't getting anything inside. We wanted to go walk around the property and go over by the river and by the woods. And, you know, one of the other sons had 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 an experience over near that section of the woods where he had smelled something. And what he described is a smell I'm very familiar with. And I have come to associate with some kind of spirit trying to get your attention. So, you know really I do think it is that that family was particularly sensitive and whoever was there was you know attempting to reach out or kind of see how willing they were to entertain that communication humidity orbs that looked like it was pretty cold but nothing nothing else but man was you know the fact that those couple pieces of evidence tied back into just the narrative that they had given Mm. us was nuts yeah that's huge I just want to ask you about that smell could you like just like I don't know why I just like what does it smell like is it like a it's because you always hear like sulfur smell or like dead and rotting meat, but that's not what you're smelling, I'm guessing, right? Right. It's it's a tough smell to describe. It's very similar to whatever they use inside mausoleums. If you've ever been in a mausoleum, it kind of has a unique odor. It's a mm. it's it like a sweet kind of decay smell, like a bouquet that's been left in a vase too long, if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So, and okay. it, it varies from person to person, it seems like. But everyone, I always know what they're talking about. And they're like, it was kind of like a sweet rotting smell. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. So if listeners are out there and you start smelling that stuff, then they'll know, right? You know what it is now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Have, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I have noticed, too, if it helps, you know, it helps at all. The, the more floral notes you can pick up seems to have something to do with the um, timeline, like they're a fresher person, if that makes any sense. So if it's a more dusty flower smell, and that's just maybe for me, but it seems yeah, I can yeah, kind yeah. Of smell the difference. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, you're using all your senses, right? Absolutely. <laughs> 
So what was your first investigation together as a team? The first team investigation we did, where we had brought out a couple other people, we investigated, it was a cemetery in Memphis, Michigan called the Memphis Cemetery. And there is a uh, legend that we all kind of grew up with in this area about this particular tombstone and this, or this grave marker. It's a large marble ball. And uh, it was called the Witch's Ball. And the legend is that, you know, the ball would shift or if you look closely at it, you'll start to see spirits of those who are um, past that are buried in that cemetery. Um, And so we went out there to explore it and we brought along some other females along on that investigation. It was really cool because we accidentally um, bumped into another set of girls that were coming out there. (laughs) And they were just coincidentally in that area and they were looking for like, for whatever reason, they're like, haunted things to do near Armada, Michigan. And they showed up at the cemetery with us. So they ended up sticking it out and going through the investigation with us, which was really neat. And um, one of the girls' name was Courtney. And we did catch um, using the spirit box a couple of times where it sounded like they were saying her name, which was interesting. But um, so the witch's ball is basically we've... It's crap. Yeah, we've like <laughs> loaded it up to yeah. Debunked. Yeah, we all bunked. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting encounter with a a male spirit it was probably the most intelligent interaction we've had thus far as as far as like you know intelligent spirits go and we had the spirit box out and this person died very tragically and i didn't know anything about this until we got there and he kind of has an unusual marker too so it was it was a, a situation that really rocked this tiny town. And so I think everyone there is kind of aware of it. And we made contact with this person who's passed away in like the last 10 years or so, yeah. a couple, you know, whatever. And that was that was a moment where we kind of realized how real this stuff can actually get. That there are, you know, real people and real families and real emotions tied up in a lot of this stuff. And it isn't always Victorian yeah. ghosts. Yeah. It's people from the 90s and 2000s. It's it's all types. And in fact, it is yeah. like it's so recent that we we almost get like I'd say uncomfortable about speaking about what happened to him just because right. it is something that happened in a local area around here, and it was really tragic. And um, and it, it kind of it tugs at your heartstrings a bit to know what all happened. Um, with yeah. this gentleman but he was able to to make communication with us in a couple different ways and there were some other spirits that were hanging around um, we did capture an incredibly amazing EVP from this event that um, Hillary had heard somebody say her name so she turns around and says you know like, did you did you say something and shortly after that there's a little voice that whispers it's her like almost like a spirit kind of like wanted to like ask Hillary a they question knew you. <laughs> like like hey that's that's her that's 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 the girl right there it's her um so that was really really neat but it it was fascinating and it's interesting that you know this this legend brings everybody all together and it's something fun to do and i visited back when i was in high school with my friends and um, it's it's really cool but you know like that's not the part of the cemetery that's the haunted memphis cemetery it's it's the other parts it's just the folklore and the legend that gets you out there 
but um, mm-hmm. it was really really neat experience. And I like how the like the way that you're going about this stuff is very respectful. You're not dickheads about it or anything like that. You're just going there and you're doing it properly. And I think that that's like the number one thing that you have to do as an investigator, especially if like no matter if the person passed away like in the Victorian era or if it was like 10 years ago or like yesterday, right? As long as you're being respectful, that's the way that you should be approaching these situations, right? So what got the two of you into the paranormal? Like Hillary, I'm guessing that you got into it at a young age because of your abilities and things like that. But I do kind of want to hear those stories as well. So yeah. Well, it's an important conversation to have, you know, and I always kind of think about this too, that we always want to just lead with what we're doing, lead with our work and not, you know, we don't really need to draw attention to the fact that we're girls. I mean, people have eyes and they can see that, but it's an important part of the conversation because, you know, I think um, when I had kind of decided I wanted to find a partner to investigate with. And that was really kind of the, the turning point for me where it, it turned into, um, you know, the, the circumstances that led us together, which was great. Um, but what I really was frustrated with is I, what I've watched on TV for the last 10 to 15 years is so contrary to my own experiences. I can't relate to it. And so part of my thinking was, well, you know, I haven't really seen a woman do this or but I haven't seen, you know, anybody who isn't kind of a token medium who has a very, (laughs) very specific role. And sometimes you even see and they've complained themselves that the camera's looking at their butt more than anything they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a huge part of like starting this was that I, you know, didn't really even feel like we needed the validation of like anybody who was going to help us make a show. We were just like, you know what, we went, we both went to art school. We can figure out how to do this. Let's just spend the next year figuring out how to create this content and bring in other female people who are interested in what we're doing and explore these things that are in our backyard. So that's an important part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what uh, was the main thing that drew you to to wanting to do this? Was it just the fact that you had the ability and you were like, that's that's it. Like, I'm just going to go for it. When I figured out that I could have quantifiable experiences, paranormal, psychic, whatever have you quantify these experiences using pretty basic tools, it was like a whole new world opened up to me. You know, we had kind of talked earlier. I still have a little bit of anxiety presenting, you know, this part of myself because there is so much stigma and people make assumptions about, you know, you and what you're doing and your work. And so it's, there's a kind of an anxiety about presenting it. But when I figured out that I could show people and record the things that were happening be like, see, isn't that weird? I told you (laughs) it was like this whole world opened up for me. And I have, like we said, been chasing the dragon ever since that was my main motivation. Awesome. And what age did you get your first kind of like vision or know that you had this ability? So, you know, it it really started very young. It kind of took a while for me to figure out what was going on. But I spent a lot of time kind of playing by myself as a kid. I made friends very easily, but I liked to have my own space. And I think that kind of opened up the right environment for me to kind of explore these things so I like saw people and we would drive by cemeteries I lived very close to a cemetery and I would get freaked out because I could see people walking around but I you know didn't really have an outlet for like hey I'm seeing this person you know you just kind of keep that to yourself and I remember in elementary school I started kind of piping up around second grade like hey you know I can see this person standing next to you or hey this is going on and it you know opened up a whole 
long form ridicule, you know, and so then you learn to kind of keep your mouth shut. And then, you know, middle school, you kind of, whatever, all of the uh, typical teen troubles are amplified <laughs> when you're experiencing something like this. So a lot of people, you know, of course, think that you're making things up or you're telling tall tales or whatever. And, you know, being a kid doesn't help that at all. But I'm still here. And does it run in your family? Like, does have, like did anyone kind of say like, oh, like Hillary, don't worry about it. Like, I I have the same abilities or anything like that. You know, it's funny. So my I have a talking board that belonged to my great grandmother. So my grandmother's mother, and then it seemed to kind of skip a generation. And then one of my aunts um, reads tarot cards too. So I read tarot cards professionally as well. And she was kind of the example for me because she, you know, was open about what she was seeing. And there were several experiences where she was visiting our house someone reminded me recently where there was antiques my parents were collecting that had an attachment or attachments and she was the one to discover those and do these crazy things where she pulled out like birth certificates out of cigar boxes that we had no idea were there so I had somewhat you know of an idea that okay this is sort of normal and my family is very accepting about it and you know they all had their own kind of moments of exploration we've gone to seminars and all kinds of things like that and seen other mediums so it wasn't something that was like so stigmatized I wasn't going to do anything about it but you know going outside of the family is a little bit of a different challenge for sure for sure but I think that's starting to change now especially with how popular this topic is becoming right so I think that's a good thing I think it's going to encourage more like I guess children to just almost embrace that right and not lose it because we were talking about how when you get older, all of a sudden you no longer see these spirits. It's like, yeah, because you become an adult and you're told that that stuff is not real, right? So I think if we can kind of educate the younger generation that this stuff is going on and you need to be in tune to it, we can keep that, I guess everyone calls it the third eye open, right? And so uh, Jessica, what got you into this whole interesting field of work that you're now involved in? So um, when I was a kid, I had all of these crazy uh, dreams and goals and aspirations that I want to go and do all these wild things like be a hula girl and be a ghost hunter and a princess. <laughs> but shockingly, I've been well, able to. Two of those things have come true. <laughs> three. <laughs> three. Three. All three. You're a hula girl. And put that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Amazing. It was really important for me to make my childhood dreams come true and I grew up watching you know tv shows and my grandmother was she was very spiritual and she was the most trusted person that I had on this planet and I always get all teary and worked up every time I talk about her but yeah. um she really motivated me to like go out there and do all of these things like you know like she would tell me the stories that she seen or witnessed and she like I, like I said she was the most trusted person on this planet to me so if she knew that these things were real I knew that they were real as well, so that definitely helped motivate me to go out there and chase them as well, um, which my paranormal journey definitely started after she passed away. And four years ago, actually, I applied for a casting position um, with a very large paranormal TV show, but I didn't have any experience at the time. But I still got a call and I still got an interview and a, oh, and a Skype call and everything. So and it was really cool. And that kind of like inspired me, like I might be able to make this happen, but things didn't quite work out. So then Hillary and I bumped into each other a year later and I was that's it. You know, it's about time. 
that I make that goal of mine come true. Let's go out there and be some paranormal investigators and chase these things. And I want to live them and experience them. And I've learned from my grandma and I've learned from the television shows. And I feel that I am incredibly knowledgeable in the field. And I've learned what works and what doesn't work in my own opinion. And I think it's interesting, too, that we're able to put a different and unique spin on things that didn't see on the paranormal TV shows. So little things that would bug me on the television set, I can go out there and make that difference and do it the way that I think that it should be done. And I think that definitely helps with how lucky we have been because everything that we've, every investigation that we've done, we've at least caught something. It might not be groundbreaking, earth shattering evidence that's amazing and but it's it's something it's there's still something there and I think that's definitely a help for how we approach the topic and how we approach an investigation and the spiritual realm and just how we carry ourselves even I think is really important absolutely yeah and you can't you can't be going into an investigation thinking every time you're going to get something groundbreaking you just have to be ready for it to happen and be prepared for it to happen but you you, you never know. Well, so. I think one of the reasons so much, especially moving forward in this year with our videos, uh, we really are enamored with the people that we're able to connect with while we're doing this stuff, too. Sometimes the most interesting story is the person with the stories. And so we really love to kind of focus around kind of creating these portraits of these people. So even when something doesn't happen, we have that story to rely mm-hmm. on. And that's you know, it's fun regardless that way when we're not married to the idea of getting something every time. Mm-hmm. And what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you while investigating? While investigating. I'll just shoot for a second. So back to the story we kind of focused on there. The takeaway was I occasionally have visits from Stella Hansenbuehler. And I don't know. I haven't really told very many people this, but she creeps me out. It's. Oh, man. I You know, I, I'm very experienced with these things and it takes a lot to really freak me out but is is it the look i don't it's all of it it's something given you yeah it's it just it gives me a strange feeling she looks a little scary to me for some reason which you know we'll talk to other people too when they see a picture of somebody and it's like i hate that i hate it i hate it i don't want anything to do with it and that's sort of the feeling i get with her and i feel like if it's this fear that if i think about her too much then she'll be there again and i feel like (laughs) she's doing that it's weird for sure wow that's creepy um for me i'm not really sure i don't know if i've necessarily you keep your chill you really do we we kind of it's a lot to freak me out yeah and it's like another fun fact i used to run a, a haunted theme park so it, it, takes all over the place. Yeah, it takes a lot to scare me because I used to be that scary person. So um, it kind of gave me really thick skin. Yeah, it's like a, a calm head on my shoulders. And it, it takes a lot to really, I don't know, ruffle my feathers, if you will. <laughs> For sure. Like I've had things happen to me where I don't even see anything, but I feel it. And I feel like this pressure go on my chest and it's almost like anxiety. And I know that there's something here, but I don't see it, but I can feel it. And that's what creeps the shit out of me because I want to be able to see what is scaring me, but I know it's there, but I just can't see it. 
And that, that's what really freaks me out. But um, that's so cool. So what's next for uh, Mystic Mitten Paranormal Group? So we've got a whole lineup this year, which, you know, the final pieces still aren't totally in place. So we're not giving anything away yet. But we've got a lot of local places and some very unique people that very we are going to people. be um, investigating with and exploring kind of their paranormal stories and their relationship with the paranormal and then kind of collaborating and doing some investigations. So we're very excited about that. We're really pushing our YouTube channel. We're trying to get to the point where we upload at least one video a week just to keep it going. But Absolutely. So we're, we're focused on that this year for sure. And we also have plans to travel a lot of Michigan. Um, ideally, we want to be able to have a map where we can place a pin to every place that we've investigated. So that's that's Absolutely. a goal that we definitely want to start exploring other areas rather than just our general area of the state. Mm-hmm. I mean, we even have the Upper Peninsula that we want to explore, and we have plans to do that this summer. So we definitely want to travel and just kind of branch out as well because there there is a lot. For whatever reason, Michigan seems to be a really strong spot for paranormal. There's hundreds upon hundreds of stories. I mean, I have a stack of probably 15 books written on Haunt, Michigan. And and, and it's fantastic that we have all of these little areas and opportunities for us to go visit everywhere in our state. I mean, absolutely everywhere. So um, we definitely have plans to branch out. Yeah, you're spoiled over there. (laughs) Yes, we are. are. (laughs) We don't don't knock anything down. We've been having, since we've been meeting people, People from all over the world, even like Australia, you wouldn't realize we don't knock anything down. We have these buildings standing, you know, scattered mm-hmm. across Michigan that have been standing there for hundreds, hundreds of, years, of years and no oh. one's touched them. Hmm. Yeah, that kind of reminds you of how everyone says how haunted the UK is. And there's all the castles that are still there and this and that. And that kind of gives you the same kind of feel. Maybe they don't look the same, but um, it's still going to hold that energy, maybe a bit more so than it would if it was knocked down. Yeah. Okay, that's really, really cool. And so the YouTube channel is just Mystic Mitten Paranormal on YouTube. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Check that channel out. Let's get these ladies pumping and get them to the next level where they need to be getting their videos out weekly. Let's get that goal attained. This is your New Year's resolution, right? Yes. (laughs) Totally. Wicked. Thanks so much for being on the ghost train. Let's stay in touch. And if anything more happens in the near future, or if you want to come back on the show and and tell another tale or story, I am always open to uh, having you back on. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank Thank you you so much. This was great. All the way from Michigan, Mystic Mitten Paranormal. Big thank you to Hillary and Jessica of Mystic Mitten Paranormal for being on this week's podcast. Check them out on Instagram at Mystic Mitten Paranormal. They've also got a really great YouTube channel that I suggest you go check out. Those two ladies have some super creepy stories and I can't wait for what they have next for us this year. Sounds like they've got something really, really special coming up that they're going to be sharing very soon. Don't forget to subscribe to The Ghost Train, and if you've got a scary story and you'd like to be featured on The Ghost Train, send me a message on Instagram at Ghost Train Podcast or Twitter at Ghost Train PC. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, good luck sleeping tonight.